You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot. No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Monday, which means I've got Dennis and Matt here with me. We are going to be going over some of the NFL latest news, and we will finish up our wide receiver rankings today. But before we do that, gentlemen, how you doing on this beautiful Monday? Well, it's my last show from Hawaii, so I'm a little bit melancholy, you know, sitting out here on the patio, looking at the beautiful ocean, crystal clear, blue, breeze blowing, so I'm doing all right. Well, uh, over the weekend, uh, Denver collected all the smoke from uh, California, so our air quality in this region um, became worse than Beijing. Um so it's not been the greatest weekend to be outside. I wish there were more games uh, that had been on to justify just staying inside and staying away from everything. But fortunately, inching ever closer. Yeah, what is it? We've got a full slate this weekend, and it's a weird. Um, what is it? It's only like Starts one on, on Thursday. Thursday. Was it two on mm-hmm. Thursday? Two on Thursday, three on Friday, and then just a ton on Saturday. Like I wish they'd and then it one out on Sunday. A little bit more on Friday and Sunday gives a little bit something else to watch. I won't uh, 
I will not, unfortunately, be able to watch many of the games this weekend. Uh, we have done a horrible job of talking about it uh, this year, um, and it was canceled last year. If you guys are going to the Expo, Dennis and myself will be there. It is this weekend, uh, the Fantasy Football Expo in Canton, Ohio. Uh, so come on by if you want to see us talk football with us. We'll be there having a good time. Now, so that's why I won't be able to watch any football. I'll probably try and sneak away to watch if Baker's out there for at least the first drive or so. Uh, but then after that, it'll be all business, as they say. All right, so let's talk about uh, some of the NFL's news. And I would love to say that I was prepared, but I wasn't. I did a horrible job of getting that ready. Carson Wentz, broken foot. We have been a little bit behind on getting this, this, some of this news because we've been trying to crank out our uh, our ranking stuff here. So Carson Wentz, broken foot, out five to ten weeks. Dennis, how much of the regular season do you think he actually misses? I think he's going to be back in week five. You know, they've got they've said he'll be out five to twelve weeks. I'm putting him at eight weeks. Uh, I feel like, you know, I, I I you just don't know. I mean, he he did. I think he did the right thing, getting the surgery, getting it knocked out of the way. Um, hopefully he recovers quickly. He's still young. He's, what, 27, 28 years old, somewhere in that range. So he should heal fairly quickly. Um, if he misses four games, I, I think that's a, uh, a pretty decent um, – that still leaves him a good opportunity. Will he play the 75% of the snaps to give – uh, the Eagles a first-round pick or 70% plus the playoffs. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I think if he misses four games, it's going to be pretty close. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit interesting to watch and see. It'll be very telling um, at the end of the preseason. Right now, you can put players on pup. They can come and go at will in the preseason. But once you get to that run-up to the regular season, if somebody's still on the pup list, they're guaranteed to miss six weeks. So I think if they put or leave Carson Wentz on the pup list, then you have an idea that they think he's going to be out for a long time. If they don't, then they're hopeful that he can come back before missing six games. I will say the Colts have a pretty brutal opening stretch of the schedule, and it may also depend on how they think Quentin Nelson is faring because if, you know, Carson's trying to come back from the the foot injury and you don't know if he's exactly 100% and you're also missing your best offensive lineman, it, it may be a situation where you're ride it out. Hello from South Africa. That is uh, that is awesome. Yeah, uh, th- so that's clearly the thing to watch right now is if he ends up on pup, like Matt was saying. If not, then there's a realistic shot. He could be back by week five, like Dennis was talking about. If not, he's likely coming in later, which then leaves them to at least, if we're hoping for him to possibly be back in week five, going four weeks with either Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger, or Brett Hundley. Matt, what are your thoughts on this QB room, and who do you think ends up getting the job? And let's just pair the the wide receivers right in with it. What does that mean for the wide receivers based on what quarterback you think is going to win the job? Yeah, if you've been listening to our wide receiver rankings, you would notice in the top uh, 40 we we didn't have any Colts. Um, I know I have dropped some, some players down. Or we might have had, I forget. Oh, we had Pittman just right up there at the end. Um, but I had dropped – Dropped him down. I dropped T.Y. Hilton down. I'm not expecting Carson Wentz to be there at the beginning of the season. I don't think that they will trade for 
Nick Foles. Um, you know, maybe if a veteran quarterback gets cut free and they decide to make an upgrade, but I think they will probably use Jacob Eason and then see what they've got there uh, and ride him out for the first few games. I also think that this – I thought the Colts with the, the tough schedule and their roster were going to be kind of in the 9-11 to 11 win range fighting for a wild card. I think I would lower them probably to the 6-8 to eight win range and just outside the playoffs. Well, I, I think some of it's going to depend on – how well the running game clicks without um, Quentin Nelson. I, I've, I still feel like they've got a pretty strong offensive line. Um, granted, it's probably elite with Nelson in there. So if Taylor can carry the load and that defense plays well, then I think Eason can be successful. Uh, there have been some positive reports coming out about Eason. Uh, they'll definitely have to, I think, cut down the playbook. Uh, I I don't think Eason is ready to make a major leap, but also there's no substitute for playing. So any if, if Eason plays four games, even if he's marginally successful, and they let's say they go two and two, that's going to be well, that, that. Those are things that Eason isn't going to get just standing on the. So let me ask you though this this is their first five games. Week six is home for the Texans, which. Should be good. But the first five, they have Seahawks at home, then the Rams at home, at the Titans, at the Dolphins, at the Ravens. I think they would, even with Wentz, I think they could have been yeah. two and three would one, be a win. So yeah. one and four probably feels more likely. That's what I'm saying. You know, you lose one or two wins in the AFC, and that's going to make a tough battle for the playoffs. Yeah, it's, uh, it'll, it'll come down to, uh, you know, will Seattle's defense play well enough? I, I, Seattle definitely has the offense to outscore a Jacob Eason-led team, but I, I think Indianapolis's defense is better than Seattle, so that could definitely make the game closer than you would expect with Eason. Um, the Rams, you know, that's I I I don't think that's a, a winnable game with Eason. Uh, Tennessee. Tennessee's, they've got a new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, it's a division game, so teams tend to get hyped up a little more if you're the underdog for a division game. So I would probably put that at maybe 30% winnable as opposed to with Wentz, maybe a coin flip. But, it, yeah, it's they definitely have a tough road ahead with if they're going to start East in those first four or five games. Yeah, because I'd say all five of those first games are teams that have playoff aspirations of their own. Yep. Yeah, I think Easton's going to end up winning the job, and, and I, I don't think I'm going to trust any of these wide receivers right now, though, unfortunately. I I, I liked Easton coming out, and, and I do I agree with Dennis. I mean, he's been there longer, so he probably has the, the, the track to get in there, I think. I, I don't think Sam Ellinger is a starting quarterback. I, I mean, he's, he's yeah, at best second back. Comment. He's a, more of, a little more athletic Colt McCoy. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's a career backup, and then Colt McCoy see. wasn't a terrible spot starter, though. True, true, he wasn't. I just I think Jacob Eason's got the upside, and and the Colts are 
regardless of the brutal schedule you just mentioned, I believe they think that they're playoff contenders, so they want to try and go out there and win games. So maybe that's why they will turn to Sam Ellinger because he may not turn the ball over as much. I don't know. Let's just uh, pour Hunley's one out, out for them if Brad – Brad, I was going to say, if Brad Hundley's yeah. the dude, let's pour one out for Tony we, because we, we've, be seen enough of, we've seen enough of Hundley. I don't, I don't think he's going out there. Uh, but, Dennis, you mentioned Jonathan Taylor maybe carrying the rock a bunch to cry, try and help Eason if he ends up getting the job. We then found out, I believe it was like two days after the Carson Wentz the next injury, day. the next day that Quentin Nelson had the same injury and will be out five to 12 weeks. I posted on Twitter that I thought this was a bigger deal uh, and hurt Taylor more than obviously losing Carson Wentz. What are your thoughts now on Taylor losing Quentin Nelson? Who I get is only one guy in, in a line of five, but he's probably the best player on that line. He, he is. It, it It's definitely uh... – a hit. I mean, you don't lose the best guard in the game and not expect both your running and passing game to take some kind of hit. That being said, while maybe not a generational talent, Taylor is still a, an exceptionally good running back. He, he can play on all three downs, whether they choose to take the Nick Chubb route with him and not throw him the ball out of spite, uh, you know, and put Naheem Hines in because, well, he's good at it. Uh, I don't know, but I, I like Taylor. I think he's going to fare well uh, regardless of, you know, losing Nelson doesn't put the, the, the Colts in the Cincinnati Bengals stratosphere when it comes to offensive line play. So he'll be fine. Uh, maybe it'll cost him a few yards. Maybe it costs him a touchdown. Uh, but in overall, I think Taylor's going to be just fine because he has the ability. Yeah, I mean, I do think that's that's the concern with Taylor. I, I can't remember. I had him RB3. I might have been the highest on him. I was very excited. With, you know, without Wentz, you would think they want to run the ball more. Uh, I do wonder, though, if it does prop up Neheim Hines a little bit more than we were thinking because you get a quarterback that may need to, to dump off now that security valve. Um, but like Dennis said, the Colts had a, had an incredible offensive line. It hurts losing Nelson, but I don't think it it downgrades them to horrible. They'd have to lose a couple more pieces to end up in Cowboys 2020 range. Yeah, I mean, it's it's frustrating because I'm already not a big fan of Frank Reich and, and the way he handled play calling last year with Hines and Taylor. And now I agree with you. Losing Nelson and now going your backup quarterback, we may see not even just a mixture of Hines, but also uh, Marlon Mack, if, if he continues to stay healthy. I mean, shit, Madden's got him rated higher than Jonathan Taylor right now. So clearly there's a lot of people out there who believe in Marlon Mack coming out there and doing something. Uh, and, and we're with you, Cade. You know, I don't, I don't know what uh, Carson – I think if he would have been healthy in Indy, he would have been all right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm at this point, I kind of need to see it to believe it with Wentz. He, he's been so inconsistent since that MVP year. Uh, I don't know what he is going to be, but I thought going to Indy was by far the best team he's had around him in a yeah. while. Deshaun Watson, sticking with quarterbacks here, Matt. Not practicing with the Texans. Uh, rumored Eagles trade. Then that trade got shot down. Saw a picture of him out there today in like 110 degree heat wearing some kind of toboggan for God knows why, because I barely want to wear a shirt when it's 110 degrees outside. But your thoughts on this Deshaun Watson, rumors of the Eagles trade and everything going on with that. Yeah, it's going to be kind of interesting. We were surprised when he showed up. We were surprised a little bit when the NFL decided not to do anything. It looks like 
they aren't planning to put him on the exempt list until his legal issues are uh, adjudicated, which we know won't happen until 2022. So it looks like he's going to be eligible. He's maintained he wants to trade from the Texans. It was interesting that he was held out of practice, you know, for a few days in a row um, with the Texans. I'm not sure he totally needs practice, but it is a new coach, new system. The Eagles trade would be interesting. Um, I My first wonder was if Watson goes to the Eagles, are the Eagles trading Jalen Hurts back to the Texans? If they're not, that would almost make sense for the Eagles who would be then hedging their bets in case something happens to Watson, but it would be horrible for all those people that are excited about seeing Jalen Hurts because he he's not starting over Wentz would be my guess in Philly. And I'm not sure it would be great for him going to the Texans. Um, So it's still a mess. Now it's a mess for two teams. And as we get really closer to the heart of redraft season, it would be nice to have some clarity about whether this trade is going to go down or not. Well, I don't think this trade is going to go down. I, I, I can't see Sirianni trading away the additional picks for for Watson with out some assurance that he's basically going to be good to go this year and things are going to be resolved. It, it, it just doesn't make sense to trade potentially a, a good quarterback in two or three first. I mean, Houston is asking for a, a, a ton of capital back, which makes sense for Houston. And I get that that Watson is probably wants out, you know, he looks at the situation and doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. But if I'm Philadelphia and I am in a rebuild, I I just don't think you trade for an elite quarterback when you haven't built up the rest of the team. Um, There's questions at wide receiver. Uh, The offensive line is getting old and is going to need to be rebuilt. The defense has some holes. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they're in on Miles Sanders or if they're out on Miles Sanders. That's a, you know, who knows? They've, I love the report that they're platooning him with Boston Scott again. Please right. let's not start this again. Yeah, they're, they're exactly. They're looking to be 50-50 split because basically both <laughs> of them can play on all three downs. And then Sirianni is comparing Gainwell to Naheem Hines. And, and it's like, I just, to me, I can't see giving up that capital unless you think you're ready to go. If you think you're ready to go, then yeah, you you send two firsts and and Jalen Hurts and you get Watson back and then you make that run to the Super Bowl. But when you've got an old offensive line that keeps breaking down, uh, it it just, to me, it just doesn't make sense. So I don't believe Watson is going to get traded to Philadelphia. He may get traded, but it's going to be to somebody that, that looks at their team and says, I, I think we can contend this year or next year. So if I'm giving up a couple first-round picks, I'm okay with that because the, the team is ready to go. You know, Minnesota, you for instance. You don't know that's not Howie Roseman, though. Yeah. I mean, he's fighting for his job. Yeah, I just I don't see until they get any kind of clarification from the NFL how someone's going to trade for him, though. I mean, even if Philly makes that move, there's a realistic shot that then they come out by week one and like, by the way, he's going on the commissioner's exempt list, and then you just lost him for the that's whole why, season. Now again, that's why know, I think if they trade, they don't 
they wouldn't include Hertz because if I'm Philly, well, they got what Sudfeld, right? Is Sudfeld the Flacco? Joe Flacco. There you go. You got Joe Flacco. He's got a flak attack skill. They'll be all right. No, I just I would I would just be very surprised if someone traded for him, not knowing what his future is going to be, because it's. I mean, it would help, I guess, in what Dennis was just saying right there, though. I mean, they would be horrible because he's not going to play. You're going to trust Joe Flacco or Nate Sudfeld to go out there once what Flacco gets hurt, and then they're going to end up being a bad team. And well, and probably Houston gets to make away. those picks exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I I would be very surprised if they ended up trading for Watson this year. I think we're going to if until we find out exactly what's going to happen with his future. I don't think he's going anywhere. Randall Cobb is coming back to the Packers. Uh, what does that mean for, for Cobb and this wide receiver core, Dennis? It means that he's going to be probably the wide receiver too. But what that wide receiver too in Green Bay has historically meant over the past few years with Devontae Adams is he's probably a wide receiver four. Uh, you know, that's even when Cobb was there before, that's – that was kind of where it is. And if you look over the last, I think, three or four years, the wide receiver two in Green Bay has been somewhere between wide receiver 40 and wide receiver 54 or something like that. So does it give Rodgers a weapon that he trusts and maybe somebody with a different skill set than Lazard or Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Yes. But he had that before with Randall Cobb, and, and Cobb had one really good year, and I think that was before Devontae Adams got there. That, that, that might have been with Jordy Nelson, if I remember correctly. But at this stage of his career, I, I, I did change my ranking on, on Cobb because I had him in the 80s when he was in Houston. I moved him up, I think, to wide receiver 53 because historically that's kind of been the range where the wide receiver two in Green Bay has been the past uh, under Matt, uh, uh, under Lafleur, uh, that's where that wide receiver two has been. So, do I expect him to be a league winner? No. Do I expect him to be a solid flex play? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's probably it for me. Uh, you know, one of it's Devonte Adams, and then it's a bunch of other guys. You know, supposedly Devin Funchess has looked in camp. Alan Lazard's still there. MBS is there. Mari Rogers, the rookie, is there, and Randall Cobb. I tend to think that, you know, one or two of them will have flex value, but it may change week to week. That's what we've seen in the past. Um, So I need to see Cobb consistently being the number two guy before I'm locked in on that. Yeah. I don't care about anybody but Devontae Adams, baby. Let's go. I'm not – not sold on any of those guys. MVS will have his games. I still believe in in the Lizard King, but I don't know how productive he is going to be. Cobb, maybe, uh, but I just I, I don't. I'm more interested with Cobb coming back on how that affects Robert Tunyon because there was a lot of uh, a lot of people hoping he was going to have another big year this year, and I think that's who maybe yeah. gets hurt the most by Cobb coming back. And that's the big question with Tunyon. He was spectacularly efficient catching 52 out of 56 targets for 11 touchdowns. That seems a little hard to sustain. Who did I just ask the Cobb question to? Dennis. Dennis? All right, Matt, you get the fun one here. 
So okay. I don't remember exactly what day this was, uh, but we got a little uh, softcore porn going on out at the Giants camp, and then Coach Joe Judge getting a little woody, watching his guy being at the bottom of the pile, getting just stacked on by man after man after man. And Coach Judge found it really hot, got pretty hot and bothered about it, was really excited. What were your thoughts on the Giants' fight at camp? And then, of course, the even worse news that our guy Kenny Galladay is already dealing with an injury. Yeah, it's a hamstring. Um, so, you know, the guy got to love those soft tissue injuries. That's, that's been, there's two worries for Kenny Galladay. It's can he stay healthy and um, can he overcome having Daniel Jones as his quarterback? I didn't totally understand why the Giants coach was that angry. I thought they were supposed to be practicing for the regular season. So having Daniel Jones on the bottom of a pile out there in practice seems like that would be perfect practice for what an actual Giants game is going to be like. But um, probably, I mean, Giants fans, I don't know if they're happy their team's finally in the news or if they're just embarrassed by the whole thing. Um, sometimes these kind of fights can can get people going. I know Denver uh, – I think it was on Sunday, um, Bradley Chubb and Garrett Bowles took swings at each other too. Sometimes, you know, it's it's terribly hot out there. They've had nothing to do but beat up on each other. I think as we move into this week when you have games and you start having these joint practices that some of this will get ironed out. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, teams that are try, trying to rebuild their image some teams have had the image of being soft. You know, New York has, has been one. So they bring in Joe Judge, who's a Bill Belichick guy. We've seen lots of Belichick disciples go in and try to be the, you know, rebuild these tough guy teams and fail miserably. So I don't know how excited I get about seeing something like that. You know, it didn't work for Patricia. It hasn't worked. It didn't work for Mancini uh, or Mangini. Um, so there's there's definitely, while you want to create toughness and accountability, I don't think it's, it's good to have your team brawling against each other and, and potentially getting upset and taking cheap shots at each other. You want to build... Uh, us against the world mentality, not offense against defense or offensive line against defensive line mentality. So I, I'm not. I, I get what you're saying about you know Jones being at the bottom of the pile, recover, trying to recover another of his fumbles. Uh, I get that, but you know at that point, I think that everybody has to kind of just back off and say, let you know who's their backup. Is it? Uh, is it Colt McCoy or? Uh, that is a good It's Mike question. Glennon. Mike Glennon. Ah, so yeah, Colt McCoy moved on and Mike Glennon was who they signed to bring in. So yeah. maybe that's why he was upset. He's like, please, Daniel may yeah. not be great, but I've seen he's, the alternative. He's no Mike Glennon. Right. So, I, I, you know, I don't know, man. I, I, I want to see a team get fired up. I have the, those same concerns about Dan Campbell in Detroit. Uh, I, I think that he's sort of – well, I get – the rah-rah aspect of what Campbell is doing. He's also kind of creating this, you know, for lack of a better term, this kind of frat house bro mentality thing going on there. And that concerns me a little bit. I, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work. I think it, 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 it makes you compete and you, you want to compete against the next guy because you want the starting job, but you also want to make that guy better 
you want to you want to win because you've outcompeted him, not because you've decided I'll do anything I can to win. And I think sometimes that gets lost, and, and I'm a little concerned about you know that happening with Judge and that happening with Campbell. So we'll kind of see what goes on, but I think the jury is out. I'm I'm not really on board. Yeah. So. Kate asks, what if Mr. Dimes can't make it work this year? Why is the New York Giants not a fit for Watson next year? I, I I honestly think that Dave Gettleman, for as much crap as he gets, has actually done a good job of kind of hedging his bets here with Daniel Dimes and that in the way they've acquired these extra picks, if, if Daniel Jones doesn't work out this year, they could very easily grab a quarterback in next year's draft and yeah. just move on from him. I don't know that they would trade for Watson, though. That, that seems... I, that doesn't seem like a move Gettleman would make personally. I don't think that. I don't know him in any sort of way outside of the way everybody makes fun of him. So I, I don't know much about him. I just don't think that that'd be a move that they would make. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think if Dan Mule Jones flames out, and I suspect he will, um, that the Giants have positioned themselves to use a top 10 draft pick to get a quarterback. I think that's what they want to do. I also not sure Watson would want to go. Um, to New York. It seems like the teams that have been trying to make a move for Watson are teams that fancy themselves as Super Bowl contenders. I would not say even with a different quarterback that I would say that's the Giants. All right, now to the most recent news before we jump in and talk about these wide receivers. Michael Thomas. He's wait, he's out actually out for the season? He's not out for the season. Uh, out for the beginning of the season. The start of the season. It would be helpful if I read. It's I'm very I'm not great. They've been, they've been real unclear about language, how, so. whether he's missing. He's definitely missing all of September. There have been a lot of talk to be back till November. That's a my bad. All right, so he's going to be up for at least the beginning part of the season. I do know that there was a lot of issues of when he decided to get the surgery. Uh, the Saints organization wanted him to get it earlier. He decided and opted for a more um, conservative approach and then decided to end up getting the surgery anyways very late in the process. He is claiming one thing. The Saints are claiming the other. Michael Thomas has gone from being like this hero to like villain very quickly here um, in New Orleans. Dennis, uh, are, are we worried here about Michael Thomas? I don't even know if you could sell him at this point. He, he's pretty, I would think his value is pretty low. But what, what are your thoughts about Thomas going into the season and what you're doing with him in Dynasty? Well, in Dynasty, I do think you're faced with the choice of sell really low or just hold. Um, I, I think I only roster one or two shares of Thomas and I'm in hold mode. I do in my, my wide receiver rankings do reflect that I feel like he's going to miss about half the season. So I've got him playing only eight or nine games. Um, I, you know, I like Thomas. It's it's if he can develop chemistry and he had some chemistry with both Winston and Hill, um, but he's been so spotty as far as being available the last year and a half or so. So there's there's some concern with that. I, I, and I think there's there's some part of him I think that's looking beyond football. I don't think he's necessarily saying I don't want to play, but he's starting to get into that life is bigger than just football. And so I want to address things outside of football, social justice things and, and stuff like that, as well as football and through football. Now, 
rumor has it he didn't return Saints calls for three months uh, while he was resting his foot, and then he decided to get the surgery. You know, I I don't know. I don't I it, even in a, a job where you have an off season. I do think it's expected you probably return calls from the company you work for. Um, if it's a, if you, if it's a, a multi-month off-season pro- process. So I can see that's probably created some animus between him and the team. Um, but he's proven when he's on the field, he can get the job done. So I, I like, I, I think at 29, you're probably not going to get a, a ton back for him, even he comes if he comes back and balls out for the second half of the year. I think he's put enough doubts in people's heads that unless they're fans or he's balling out and the team is on the verge of winning a dynasty championship, they're probably not going to take the risk on acquiring Thomas for the value he he his true value. Yeah, and there were always questions about what he was going to look like when it wasn't Drew Brees. Um, some have questioned whether his gaudy numbers were a product of the system based on the kind of route tree that he runs. Um, and we, we won't get an answer to that this year because you got to figure coming back from this surgery, if he misses half the season, he had no offseason, no training camp, no preseason. Working yourself into shape in November and December is no easy proposition we saw that a little bit last year when he missed a huge chunk of time when he came back he had moments where he was starting to pick it up but it it took a while to get on track he didn't end up with any touchdowns and i think this puts the saints in a horrific position i almost wonder if you know because deontay harris um, is potentially facing a suspension of his own for dui traquan smith is already banged up Marquez Callaway doesn't have a ton of experience. They went out and signed Chris Hogan. And this morning, NFL Network was talking about Chris Hogan like he was going to take over the Michael Thomas role, be the starter. That should give all Saints fans a moment of pause. That almost makes me think they're going to lean, that maybe that swings them toward Taysom Hill because I don't know if you get the full advantage of having Jameis Winston back there if the only people he has to throw to are Ty Montgomery and Chris Hogan. Marquez Callaway season. That's all I gotta say. You know, I think Callaway is gonna be the one, and Smith is gonna be the two. Hogan is gonna be the three when they go three wide and play out of the slot. So, all right. So Still let's doesn't, talk- to, without Michael Thomas, can we have a? They may I have mean, passed Jim Detroit still, to be the worst receiving. He's still court. gonna throw the ball like five hundred times. No, but I mean, so. Let's put ourselves on the line. Who's who's got a better receiving core, Detroit or the Saints without Michael Thomas? Uh, I'm actually uh, going Detroit. I like. I'm going to go the Saints because uh, Tyrell Williams and uh, Brashad Perriman are both already banged up, so they're not even going to start. I know, but T.J. Hawkinson, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Ah, Hawkinson doesn't count because you can throw Adam Trout in there. Quintus Quintus Cephas is hurt as well. So really, it's St. Brown and T.J. Hawkinson. I'll, I'll take the Saints up against those guys because I also trust Winston just a tad bit more than Jared Goff. When was the last time Chris Hogan played more than a quarter without pulling a groin? I'm sure that won't be that hard to find. 
Yeah, we'll it's see probably it the mid two thousands with the Patriots. We'll see it. We'll see it this fall. This fall, Brady, Brady was still coming in this 30s. year in New Orleans. Chris Hogan plays four quarters. All right, let's talk about our wide receivers. At wide receiver forty one, coming in at forty one point three three in the consensus is Curtis Samuel. Matt, you are the highest on him at thirty three. Dennis forty one. I have him at fifty. Why so high on Curtis there in Washington? Yeah, I mean, it's wide receiver 24 last year playing with uh, the black hole that is Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I think he comes over. I like Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he's a good fit opposite Terry McLaurin. I think he fits in there with Logan Thomas. He's clearly the second-best receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if they use him a little bit in creative ways like the Panthers did where he got some rushing yards. I didn't think it was outrageous to have him in the wide receiver three category. You know, I, I don't think it's outrageous to have him there, but we've seen how Scott Turner uses him in Carolina. Do we expect Turner's all of a sudden going to change what he's doing with him? I don't. I mean, now granted, I think the best thing he has going for him is that uh, that year under Turner when he had all those air yards, at least now he's got Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing him the ball, and so he's likely to convert more of it. Um, I, I've got him at 41. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he finished top 30, you know, 28, 29. Wouldn't surprise me if he finished, you know, 51, 52 with, you know, Harmon and uh, Adam Humphreys there and Cam Sims, Logan Thomas, some of these other guys uh, eating into what he does. I like Samuel. I just haven't seen it consistently enough. And he's changing teams, even though he's familiar with the offense. That's enough to give me concern for him. Yeah, that that is honestly the reason I have him so low. I, I wanted to believe in Curtis Samuel. I love that he's getting Ryan Fitzpatrick. I love that he's got Terry McLaurin. I love that he's got Logan Thomas right there at tight end. But Turner did not use him well at all in when, when Turner was there in Carolina. And really, we saw the kind of breakout of Curtis Samuel last year with Joe Brady, which is is why I'm a little bit hesitant. I hope I'm wrong. I did get him in a couple places here this offseason, uh, but I, Turner was the main reason I kind of faded him down uh, all the way down here at 50. Wide receiver 42 coming in at 44 in the consensus is Corey Davis. He is the new wide receiver for the New York Jets. Matt, you have him at 37. Dennis, 42. I have him at 53. Dennis. Why do you hate Corey Davis, Matt? He's never been good, and I don't think he ever is going to be. So I have him out at 53. I just think that's a fair spot for him. I don't think he's going to be the one. I I would not be surprised if I think Keelan Cole and Denzel Mims are going to eat more into his targets. And I also am not that big a believer in Zach Wilson. Uh, Mims may not make the team. Ah, He'll be fine. I'm not a. I'm, I'm just not that big a believer in Zach Wilson either. I haven't been. I mean, I think he's going to be an okay quarterback, but I don't think he's the next coming of of Namath. So I don't think he's going to be the savior of that franchise. Uh, so I don't think this offense is going to be that good this year. So I think having him as like a wide receiver five is perfectly fair. Yeah, I don't think that that that's out of the question. I do think he's probably the number one receiver in New York, and. I had Zach Wilson as my QB four in this class. Um, But I think Davis is going to be the top dog in New York. And I do think they're going to be a little more effective than, than you're giving them credit for. 
I love Elijah Moore as a talent, but I don't expect him to take over in year one. Keelan Cole is a good NFL receiver, but I don't think he's great for fantasy. Um, Moore, I think, is going to, you know, they're trying, I think they may be trying to do too much with him because they want him to, you know, is, is he going to take over for Jamison Crowder? Is he going to be the outside guy? Is he going to be the, what's he going to do? And they, they're throwing a lot at him. Uh, that doesn't mean that he won't be able to uh, accomplish that. But I like Corey Davis the best uh, for 2021 out of this wide receiver group. Yeah, I mean, I think Corey Davis probably finishes as the highest wide receiver for the Jets. I'm not incredibly bullish on the Jets offense or Wilson. I had him in the QE3 range, but Corey Davis was wide receiver 30 last year. I don't trust Jamison Crowder to stay healthy. I think there's going to be a learning curve for both Moore and Mims if he makes the team. And Keelan Cole, I don't know. Right. Maybe I'm a little higher on Davis, but I they gave him a lot of money for a reason. I think he ends up nominally being their best receiver. I mean, the Jets gave Le'Veon Bell a lot of money, and he ended up well, not doing anything for them, None of so. us, even the most bullish of us, has him as a wide receiver four because yeah. I'm at 37, so no one's like, hey – if there's one guy you got to start from the Jets, it's Corey Davis. It's Corey I'd Davis. rather start yeah, Michael Carter than Corey Davis. It's Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore to the moon. I've been convinced by my analytics friends that that's the way to go here for the Jets. 43 is Jalen Waddle coming in at 44.67 in the consensus. Matt, you have him at 30. I'm sensing a trend here. Matt, you have him at 36. Dennis, you have him at 46. I have him at 50. I know you found my sweet spot of receivers that you guys don't believe in. Uh, you know, I think Waddle ends up as the best receiver for the Dolphins, has already had some chemistry with Tua. I think he fits what they want to do. I have him just squeaking into wide receiver three range. Yeah, I, I don't hate Waddle. I just, again, it comes down to, uh, you know, the, the competition for targets, him being a rookie. They, I know Will Fuller's already struggling with injury, but when healthy, I, I don't think they're going to start Waddle over Fuller. They're not going to start Waddle over Parker. So now he's already relegated to the wide receiver three, and he's probably going to be behind Gasicki in targets as well. So it didn't warrant to me him being higher than a, a wide receiver four. I have him at 46. Uh, you have him at 52, Bruning. And so that puts both of us in the wide receiver. What's that? Yeah, four and five. Four we and five. Have, so three, four, and five. So choose your own adventure. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I think Waddle may come on. Uh, he definitely may be a guy that comes on at the end of the season. Um, but a lot of it's going to depend on this Tua take the step that uh, we keep hearing about. That's my biggest concern. No doubt Jalen Waddle is the best wide receiver on that roster. I just I haven't been a big believer in Tua. I've liked what I've heard out of camp. Obviously, he's impressing a lot of people with the way he's been throwing the ball and what he's looked like this year. We talked about it all last year. How much was that hip really bothering him, and was that the reason he didn't look as good as he did in college? This year will be the year that shows that. So I could be dead wrong on Waddle, and I'll admit that, but it's one of those things where I have to see. I have no doubt Waddle is in the future going to be a very good wide receiver. Wouldn't be surprised if he finishes the wide receiver one or two as early as next season. This year, I just I really want to see what this offense is going to look like. And as Dennis just mentioned, if Tua can take that step forward, which case I will believe in Waddle. And, I, you know, with the ranking of him too, 
he's being drafted in like the 17th round of redraft. So he's like the perfect guy to grab as your late round pick. And maybe he ends up being exactly what Matt says. And then you end up getting uh, getting a steal for him. At wide receiver 44, at 46.33 in the consensus, we have Mike Williams. Matt, you have him at 39. Dennis has him at 51. I have him at 49. Uh, for me, it's just, I think it's going to be Keenan Allen. Jalen Guyton, I think, is going to get a lot. I know we keep hearing that Mike Williams is going to take that step forward, and I believe in Justin Herbert. I just, I think Mike Williams, in all honesty, is limited in what he can do in this offense. It's going to be the Keenan Allen show, and I think when they want to go deep, it's going to be Guyton. It's not going to be Williams. Could he get some touchdowns here and there? Absolutely, but I, I am not in on Mike Williams. Matt, what about you? You are the highest on him. Yeah, I was. I'm high on uh, Justin Herbert, and I I was higher the highest on Keenan Allen. I think he's going to be great. I have him at wide receiver six last year. Hunter Henry was a top twelve tight end for the Chargers. I don't think that either Jared Cook or Donald Parham fills that role. I'm not as big of a believer in the other Chargers wide receivers. I think if Mike Williams can stay out there, he's in a contract year. I think he'll put up a pretty decent season, and you know I. I have him a top-end wide receiver four, but I think he finishes a little higher than he has in the past. I mean, I, I, I was actually surprised. I felt like I was going to be the highest on Mike Williams. I've, I'm probably too low on him, and, and if I go back, I've actually started working on a project where I've laid out the wide receiver depth charts for teams, and I've put in my rankings from this and to kind of see where – you know, do I real is it is that really where I think that person belongs? And so I, we'll see by the time the season rolls around uh, what happens to my ranking of Mike Williams. But I, I kind of tend to agree with you, Fox, that I'm probably a, a little bit low on him. I, I'm high on Herbert. I'm high on Allen. Uh, I do like Parham. Um, uh, he, I, I don't know why. I just like him. I feel like he's going to be a, he's. He's a guy I expect to break out this year, but they're going to throw the ball a lot to uh, Austin Eckler, and so there for for Williams to really, you know, get up to high four wide receiver three. I think there's going to need to be a change in how the Chargers distribute the ball, and maybe that comes with the new coach. Maybe they do change it a bit. And that does allow for that second wide receiver to get more targets. We'll have to see over the course of the season. I, I am lowest on him, but I do feel like he's probably a guy that, that should be higher for me. Michael Thomas. We were just talking about him in length there, 45 in the consensus, or 45 as our 45th wide receiver, 47 in the consensus. 48 for Matt, 32 for me, 61 for Dennis. This was um Ranked, obviously, before all of this news came out. He will drop for me down into about the 40 range, as I do tend to kind of agree with Dennis here, but I don't think he plays, obviously, the full season. You're probably, at best, you're hoping for half the season. And then with him coming back, how healthy is he really coming back? How long is it going to take him to get integrated into this offense? I, I'm, I'm not um, not in on Michael Thomas this year, and unfortunately, I'm not in on him moving forward much either. I, I think I, I built the missing half a season into my ranking, so he's at 61 for me. Yeah. I think he probably comes back around Halloween. Um, I'm just, I guess, more hopeful that he does something the last two months of the year. 
Yeah. At 46 uh, and 47.33 in the consensus is Antonio Brown. Finally, a wide receiver we were all very close on. Matt, you have him at 46. Dennis, 49. I have him at 47. Uh, for me, it was just more of I believe it's going to be A, B, and Godwin. And then you add in O.J. Howard coming back, Cameron Bray being there, Robert Gronkowski being there. Um, who am I forgetting? Scotty, Scotty. Mike Evans. Beat me up, Scotty. Who am I? Scotty, Scotty Miller. Miller. Tyler over his last name. Tyler Johnson. They're just loaded. And I, you know, yeah, I don't Bernard. I, I do think that while they are definitely going to pass a bunch this year, I, I just don't see three of these guys finishing that high. So A B took the hit for me. Uh Dennis, what about you? Yeah, you know, I've got a couple teams, notably the um Cowboys and the Bengals, where I feel like three wide receivers are gonna be higher. Um but both of those teams have uh, deficiencies at, at passing for the running backs or the the tight ends, um, and so they tend to th- they're and, and they're going to be a higher volume passing team, I think, than the Bengals. So I could could a B surprise a little bit and maybe be a wide receiver three, probably. Um, is he going to be better for football than fantasy? Probably. Is he a a better best ball pick? Yeah, definitely. I think there's going to be a couple games this year where he has some high yardage or or a couple touchdowns to go along with some high catch games. But I think it's it's Mike Evans and Chris Godwin at the top of the pecking order. Um, And Gronkowski is going to get a bunch of red zone work. Uh, I I do like O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. I think they're going to get a lot more between the 20s work than, than Gronk. And Geo is is the best pass catcher they've had there in years, so they're going to work the ball to the to the running back because Brady likes to do that. That's part of the offense he runs. So it it, it was hard for me to move Brown up higher. Uh, I I want to. I might be a little low on him, but uh, I, I I think you know based on our consensus rankings, we're all you know we're within three four picks of each other. So yeah, I think he finishes as a wide receiver four, but. Um, you know, if Evans or Godwin gets hurt and misses significant time, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go up into the wide receiver two range. Wide receiver 47 and 47.67 in the consensus for us is Marquise Hollywood Brown. 53 for Matt, 47 for Dennis, 43 for me. Um, and he is the player that I feel like I'm going to end up being wrong on in this range. Uh, Antonio Brown's cousin here. Uh, he did start to come on a little bit at the end of the season with, with Lamar Jackson. If they're really able to get this turned around, he's never going to be the one that they kind of drafted him to be, or it felt like when they drafted him. But I wouldn't be surprised if he could make it up into a wide receiver two or three with without how explosive he can be down the field. And you add guys in like a Rashad Bateman and a Tylen Waltz in the short area to possibly help free things up down the field for Marquise Hollywood-Brown. Um, he He's the one that... Matt, we talked a little bit about this when we did the, the wide receiver rankings. It just kind of felt like you, you started ranking guys and you kept trying to find ways to move them up and you just couldn't. And he is one of those guys for me that I feel like I'm going to be dead wrong on. I just I couldn't move him up really any higher. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I have Bateman higher, and I think Watkins ends up being involved. He's had a really great camp. I think Andrews is still their number one, and I'm not a big believer that they greatly increase their passing volume. So I have all of those guys kind of bunched in the wide receiver four and five range. 
Yeah, I, I feel like I'm probably too low at 47 on Marquise Brown. He finished at wide receiver 36 last year. So for me, um, as I look at it, I, I do think he's the best wide receiver on that team. And I think they figured out a little more last year about how to make it work. They are going to pass a little bit more this year, I expect. But I don't think that's going to be a situation where all of a sudden, you know, they're airing it out 40, 45 times a game. Uh, you know, 10% more is what? Another 44 passes, 50 passes. So they may pass 40 or 60 maybe even 75 more times this year, but they're probably not breaking the 500 pass attempt. Uh, and that's for a 16 game range. Um, so, but he did finish at wide receiver 36. So I'm, I'm probably, I feel like I'm probably, you know, 10 spots or so too low on him. Uh, I'll have to take a look as I continue working through my evaluations and we'll see where it actually lands week one. At 48, we've got Darnell Mooney coming in at 47.67 in the consensus. I was a little surprised by this one with all the hype that he was getting. I ended up being the highest at 41. Uh, Dennis, you at 52. Matt, you at 50. Um, for me, he came in this high just because I believe Justin Fields is going to start sooner than I know at least Matt does. And I do think that's going to help Mooney out a lot. I don't see him being this wide receiver two or three that everybody else keeps talking about, but he's definitely a deep threat. Everybody's talking about at this point, you know, he was targeted a ton down the field and missed last year by Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. That's Justin Fields forte. So I have no doubt that they're going to link up on some of those in a major way. And Mooney's going to come through for you. I, I just don't see him shooting as high as a wide receiver two or three though. Matt, you are the lowest on him. Is this just because you expect Andy Dalton to start most of the season? Uh, no, you know, cause I think I only had Dalton going into October. Uh, but you know, that's right where he finished last year and you have Tariq Cohen coming back and to be involved. They talked about wanting to get Cole Komet more involved. Um, you know, I think they brought in, you and I may not love Marquise Goodwin, but they brought him in and they've talked about him being some of the deep threat. So I think Mooney will be fine. I just feel like he ends up somewhere right around where he was last year. He may not have as many touchdowns, but may have more touchdowns in your or may receptions and yardage. So for me, I look back and so the wide receiver two for the last three years under Matt Nagy has finished at I think 42. 52 and 56. Um, and Alan, that's with Allen Robinson there all three years. And the first year Robinson was there, he missed some time. So he was actually lower. That's, and so I attribute that boost up for the wide receiver to, to Robinson missing time. It, it, do I think Fields is a better quarterback and going to be good? Yeah, I, I, I do. But I still think that wide receiver two in that offense is going to be somewhere in the wide receiver 50 range. And so that's where I have Mooney. At wide receiver 49 and 48.33 in our consensus is Devontae Parker. I've got him at 44. Dennis, you have him at 43. Matt, you have him at 58. Why uh, Why so low on Parker here? Well, I'm not sold. Miami's an incredibly high-volume pass offense. They have Mike Gusecki who's going to be involved. I had Jalen Waddle higher. I think he's going to have a good season. Will Fuller is there. That's going to eat into it. Um, you know, Preston made into it a little bit. 
Devontae Parker will be fine, but he wasn't incredible last year, and I think his opportunities slide back. I think when he was really humming for the Dolphins, it was when there were no other options and he was getting all the volume from a from a slinger like Fitzpatrick. That's just not what I see happening this year. Yeah, I, I, lo- I like Parker. I have him at 43. I had Waddle at 46, and I've got Fuller at 54. So I feel like it's gonna they're gonna distribute the ball pretty evenly, which is gonna it, it's gonna be great for NFL, but it's you're not gonna have this super stud there uh, that that's gonna produce for fantasy. I, I like Parker. I you know they signed him to an extension. I think they they believe in him and they like him and they're gonna work him at he's gonna be their their top receiver. I think for the next couple years at least. Uh, unless an injury happens. So I, I have him at 43, but honestly, it, it could, until we see that team start to click on all cylinders, I, I feel like we're, we're just kind of making our best educated guesses here. So we don't know what's going to happen. Is, is Gaskin the guy at running back? Is he not? Is, you know, Gasicki going to convert from athlete to tight end and, and make a leap there. We don't know. How are they – what is going to – you know, is Tua going to take that step? So we've got a lot of questions, and so I think that's why all of us sort of are reserved and not really ranking any Miami player super high. Yeah, uh, you just kind of hit the nail on the head, so it's not really much for, for me to expand on there with Parker. So let's move on to number 50. That'll be that'll be the last wide receiver we talk about tonight. That is LaVisca Chenault Jr. Comes in at 48.67 in the consensus. Dennis, you are the highest by one spot on him. 45, I have him at 46. Matt, you have him at 55. Is it the belief that he is the number two in this offense? Why do you have him? I mean, he's a wide receiver five for you, so it's not like you're calling for some massive breakout season here, Dennis. But uh, your thoughts on LaVisca Chenault? You know, I'm, I've gone back and forth with Chenault and Marvin Jones as the wide receiver, too. And I actually landed with Visca at 45 and Jones at 48. And what I think is going to make the difference is uh, LaVisca is going to get some carries. Uh, I expect their, their receiving production to be pretty similar uh, with Chark being the wide receiver one. It's going to be a good team. It's going to, I think it's going to be, it's going to surprise. Uh, I'm intrigued to watch how Urban Meyer screws it up because I, I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm struggling with some of the decisions he's made. But I, I like Chenault as a, a weapon. And, and if he can grow as a receiver with the, his route running and, and those types of things, I, I think he could have some upside surprise, but I do think that Marvin Jones is also, you know, one of those guys that is a consummate professional. And this guy I think is going to learn a lot from playing next to Marvin Jones and playing with Marvin Jones. Um, it'll be interesting to see where Visca is at in a couple years. Uh, Cause Jones, I think has shown himself to be a pretty good mentor for wide receivers as well. Yeah, I mean, I was the highest, I think, on Chark. I, I expect him to be the guy we've talked about when we talked about running backs. I feel like some of the things that LaVisca Chenault does will uh, overlap with what they've talked about using Travis Etienne with, uh, which is why I knock him back a little bit. I'm not also sold that the Jaguars 
have an incredible offense this year. I think it may take a little bit of time uh, to build up. And I believe Daryl Bevel is their offensive coordinator. He's more of a run first kind of a guy. So, uh, you know, I have him in wide receiver five range. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he goes a little bit higher. I'm just a little bit back of where you and Dennis have him. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised if he goes a little bit higher, and especially if they use him in that H-back role we've seen Urban Meyer like to use in college. You know, we talked a little bit about this, Matt. Um, I can't remember who we were talking about. Maybe we were talking about Chark uh, on the last episode. But that that is a little bit of my concern. Daryl Bevel coming over there. He has always been kind of a run-heavy offense to begin with. And then if he's getting Urban Meyer to kind of implement that H-back role, and they plan on using LaVisca that way, well, I don't think he is nearly as explosive as a Paris Campbell or a Curtis Samuel, who Urban used in college at Ohio State. Uh, in that role, LaVisca still could put up a lot of numbers because he did do that at Colorado. He did everything. So he is a, a very good, well-rounded wide receiver. And he'll be an interesting player to watch this year. A lot of that is just I want to see – what Jacksonville's offense is going to look like. I mean, we've seen a lot of these slow-mo videos of Trevor Lawrence looking amazing out there, uh, but when they go full speed and and the pads are actually on and it's game reps, what does this offense really look like? So that will do it for us well, today. Go ahead, Matt. I have one Dennis. question before we go. So yes. the biggest discrepancy we have in our entire rankings is Emmanuel Sanders. So yeah. I have Sanders at 29. And you guys have Sanders at 68 and 69. So why do you guys think he's not going to be the wide receiver two in Buffalo? Because Cole Beasley exists. Isaiah Hodgins, baby. All day, every day. You know and Gabe Davis exists. The other day? I, I uh, agree, but I, 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 I acknowledge the existence of those players. I think this year, though, it's going to be Emmanuel Sanders as the wide receiver two there. He can play inside. He can play outside. He came back and he showed. Uh, I, I think you know Beasley is starting to freak out a little bit. Maybe, maybe he calms down and gets back to just football. Uh, but he's starting to, I think, become a distraction and get distracted. And I feel like that's going to allow uh, Sanders to sort of start to take reps away from him. Right now, I feel like I, I have Beasley and uh, Gabe Davis probably within five rank within five or six spots of each other. But I feel like that uh, Sanders is basically coming in and taking Cole Beasley's job. And I, I'm of the opinion that they're very similar to the Packers and that I believe strongly in Stefan Diggs. And I think that Beasley Davis and Sanders cannibalize each other to a certain extent. And I have them all wide receiver five and sixes. So right, but last year Beasley finished at what wide receiver twenty seven or wide receiver yes, thirty one. John, John Brown missed a significant chunk of the season, and Davis that's, was slow to emerge. I don't that's think that's was, the same situation. And Sanders is not up. as much in the prime of his career as the the number one for Drew Brees last year. He still only mustered to get into the thirties. Uh, he did not even get into thirties. He finished his wide receiver forty-one last year. Well, there you go. And he uh, was the de facto number one for most yeah. of the year in the Saints. I think that they both are going to play the same role. And even if they move him to the outside, he's not John Brown in the the fact that he does not have John Brown's explosiveness. So I don't think he's going to get anywhere near what Brown was able to do. And when Brown was on the field, Cole Beasley was not producing the way Cole Beasley did last year. Why I am not understanding at all what's going on with Cole Beasley and everything going on. I don't want to go to that side of things, 
I imagine he's still going to play this year. They're not going to cut him. They're going to owe him way too much money to cut him over something like this. I could be wrong. But if they end up keeping him, I agree with Matt. And even if they move Sanders to the outside, both those guys play a similar similar role. So I don't see how either one of them finishes as, like as you said, Cole Beasley finishes wide receiver 27. I think both those guys hurt each other so much they bring each other back. And I think that it's going to be a Hodgins or, or or a Davis that takes that role on the outside of what Brown had that ends up eating into those two as well even more. And there's all those guys kind of cannibalize each other into like the 30s, 40 range. Well, and just wait for them to trade for Zach Hurts here in a couple of weeks and screw all our projections. And I will add one other thing on there, and I hate saying this before we close out. I also think Josh Allen's going to take it a little bit of a step back this year. I don't think he's going to be nearly as accurate and have as many passing touchdowns as he had last season. I, um, I like Buffalo this year. Um, well, welcome. I'll, I've been keeping the seat warm for you after our quarterback I'm a little, show. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous on Josh Allen this year. So that's why I am so low on I took him in the Scott Fishbowl. We all know he's going to flop. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, I, I went against everything I believed in and taking guys like Amari Cooper, and I don't even know who else I took. I took a bunch of players I've never taken in my life, and it's either going to yeah. mean we're gonna, I'm going to win big this year or another just beautiful flame out, and then I'm never going to be invited back. So that will do it for us today. Dennis's last day in Hawaii. Matt's uh, in my last day before what if, or last podcast before I know. what if, so – that should be exciting. I, I cannot wait for that to drop on Wednesday. We will be back on Thursday to either finish talking about wide receivers or maybe we'll eventually talk about tight ends. I'm trying to prolong that as long as possible because really that's like a 10-minute show. We talk about the top three guys and the rest of them don't matter. So, But we'll get to tight ends here eventually. And uh, we'll let you know for sure on Thursday. We, as uh, Dennis and I will be in Canton this weekend. I will be traveling on Monday. So we might try and put a podcast podcast together, uh, but we're not 100% sure yet. We'll let you guys know for sure on Thursday's episode. So until Thursday, everybody have a great day. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Aloha. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!